Tiny Habits. And this song is Everything Ends. Before that, we heard Tieso with Drifting. Right, it's that time of the week for a bit of trash talk. And this week on Trash Talk, Marcy Trentlong speaks with Heidi Spurrell, who is the founder and the CEO of Future Green. And they're going to chat all about sustainability and the big issues in the food and beverage industry right here in Hong Kong. It's good to see you again, Noreen. I wanted to invite Heidi Spurl, founder and CEO of Future Green, to talk a little bit about how to bring sustainability into the restaurant and the food industry. So thanks for coming. Thank you, Marcy, for the invitation. (laughs) Well, first, I looked at your LinkedIn page, as everybody does, and your profile goes all the way back to you know, London and studying this issue back in school. So maybe you just catch us up with all that. Yeah, definitely. Um, So the story for the Hong Kong part started about four years ago, but actually for a very long time, I was a trailing spouse. I don't know if you've heard of that expression. Of course, yeah. Um, Many Hong Kong um, spouses probably here have followed that sort of um, route to get here. But I hadn't worked for a very long time and I was traveling with my husband from country to country to country mm. and it was hard to work because we were also having children. And so in that time, what I did was study and that really changed my course. So I took a master's program in food sustainability and the very last module was all on sustainability. And huh. This was back in 2014 and it really changed my path. That's great. Yeah, I really yeah. found my calling. Yeah. And and so from there, I started to look for work in that space. But again, you know, having children, moving around. Then one year, you know, we were in Amsterdam. My husband got uh, called out to Hong Kong for a role um, working with a big retailer here. And I uh, had the opportunity to start, um, you know, from scratch. So I set up uh, what was then a license program called Food Made Good and um, operating out of the UK. I set it up here and the whole focus was on auditing restaurants. Mm. So really focused on how restaurants can benchmark themselves against other restaurants around the world. And, you know, for better or worse, to cut a long story short, we ended that for three um, three years, after three years, and then we moved um, um, into our own organization. We started Future Green, a very uh, small number of us, and um, we now focus less on the auditing and more on action. So it's really about how do you engage people to take action, to believe that their actions matter. And so we do a lot of training, we do a lot of workshopping. Right. Yeah. And when you were doing the auditing then, what did you find? Like what were some of the big issues that you found that maybe have now flowed into the your training space too? Yeah, it's a very good question because the great thing about doing those audits, you you, you see everything. Exactly, um, right. You create some, the base. Right? Yeah, some yeah. businesses do it because they really want to try and understand what's going on in yeah. terms of benchmarking and some do it for other reasons. That's fine. But um, at least we get a picture then. And then some businesses use it to ask for budget like look what we've got here let's do some projects Mm. so um after the auditing we realized that okay how are we going to improve things because it's great having a report right Mm. so we started to see patterns there was lots of challenges with food waste lots of challenges with single-use packaging Um, businesses were not necessarily understanding how they could um, sort out the sort of end of life of their packaging. Um, you know, all sorts of uh, businesses were setting up in Hong Kong trying to sell 
sustainable packaging. <laughs> so, you know, and then there was the whole, the issue around meat and low carbon diets. So, so there were lots of interesting topics that were common amongst the restaurants. Right. So then we've started to move those topics into the training, but do it in a way that's engaging because as you know, there's a lot of stats out there. There's lots of data. There's lots of science. Yeah. We don't need any more science. What we need is action. So we're bringing the restaurants in, workshopping, helping them to set a plan, like a roadmap. You know, what's urgent? What should we do now? Mm. What should we do later? But in order to get to that space, you need alignment. So we so it's bringing teams together and making it more about how can we collectively take action because that's how you get the buy-in for change. So the collectively would be within the restaurant, within the company that owns a lot of restaurants as an example. Absolutely, or, yeah. yeah. So the marketing team because they're mm. the ones that will have to communicate this. Mm. You know, it's the chefs because they are the ones in charge of procuring. Um, you know, it's HR because they decide if they run an event, so if it's a business, not not even a restaurant, if it's a corporate business, they are the ones who decide how they procure food for events. So there's lots of different roles and lots yeah. of different industries. Can you can you walk us through an example of a roadmap? So um, it's really exciting when you do a roadmap because there's lots of things you can do, but the, <laughs> the beauty in it is is really identifying like the critical issues that you have to sort of like quick wins and then long-term projects. So um, a lot of businesses will already have a global strategy. And what we find here in Hong Kong, an international brand will struggle with how to localize that strategy. Huh. Um, so we, we first we need to look at the big picture, what's going on already. Um, and actually that helps you then to narrow down what you might want to focus on. So understanding for Hong Kong, for your market, well, what is your goal and get your teams to really align on your two-year goal, let's say, your five-year goal, your 10-year goal. Right. And then understanding your purpose as well, you know, and your ambition. What What's your ambition? If you don't want to invest, then you st also still have to make that very clear. Right. Are you going to be a follower? Are you going to be, you know, a leader? So, so all of these questions, we float them to the surface. And that way, um, you get alignment and agreement. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of different steps. You want the goals, you want purpose your strategy yeah and finally um the interventions the tactics the actions because you don't want to jump straight to the actions because otherwise it, fe it feels very piecemeal uh-huh and is 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 hong kong doing some of the right things to help these restaurants i, I mean is it hard what are the big issues here it is hard because um as we were talking about earlier on some things are in your control some things are not in your control. So when we look at issues, we look at them on two levels, the systemic level. So things like, sort of like infrastructure, you know, recycling is a really good one, right? And then the <laughs> tactical sort of level. So if we talk about sort of on the high level, and you know, um, when it comes to managing packaging and waste, everyone's talking about recycling. Um, but as we know, there's hierarchy, right? We need to prevent it first, yeah. then we need to get... But it's not really common knowledge. And I find that recycling is, is a crux. It's like, this is something we can do to feel better. So we've got to educate from the top, right? Um, so those are the systemic level issues, right? Some, because it's not always in your control. And no. Like, like mm -hmm. managing recycling. Exactly. And you, the recycling infrastructure here is, is not 
fabulous. So, And I tell you a story. When I lived in Amsterdam, um, before we came here, we were yeah. in Amsterdam, I, uh, I pulled this big cardboard along the road to the recycling area, and it was just um, 10, 15 metres from my house because, yeah, you've got to reduce your barriers for people to act. So I, I took my uh, cardboard, <laughs> you know, it was it was a delivery of some sort, and I popped it on the side rather than inside the bin and a, a neighbor had dragged it all the way back and dumped it in front of my door no so even <laughs> though on the surface it's an awful feeling at first there's a lesson in there so what you have is society citizens taking action right right so can you imagine if it was like that in hong right. kong i think that's where we need to get to recycle shame well, that, that's I, yeah. oh something where it's um it's just not cool, right? So so yeah. like like seatbelts in cars yeah. or like drinking, right. um, you know. You don't while think you drive. we've gotten here? I feel like we've gotten here. Gotten Imagine here if it was um, an embarrassment to walk around with a plastic bottle. Oh, wouldn't that be great? It would be great if it was an embarrassment in the movies to walk around yeah. with a plastic bottle. I can't believe how many TV shows and it's movies, really surprising right? and also meat. Like yeah. I, I read an article, I can't quote it right now, but some of these shows, these Netflix shows, they really glamorize meat and there's meat in, oh, interesting. in, in the... It's, and it's just a back. But aren't thing. they getting side payments to do that or something? But it's know. it's a movie or it's a TV show. It's got nothing to do with, you would think, the politics of food. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it's really interesting how these things kind of filter into our sort of social norms. Okay, so on that point, meat... Right. Yes. Okay. We know that meat is kind of a climate change nightmare because it uh, because of the methane emissions for the beef, for the land use, et cetera. Maybe yeah, you're I, the expert. You should tell me, stuff. right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah. But uh, so is that something that you're you try to wean the restaurants off of, or how does that work? It's a really good question. So um, we we we're not proponents of like everyone needs to be vegan. Right. That, that's not. How you bring, realistic, yeah, and it's not how you bring people to the conversation. Yeah, right? if you start making sweeping statements that the world has to turn vegan <laughs> or vegetarian, <laughs> yeah. or everybody has to stop eating fish, you know, you're not really creating opportunities for discussion, agreed, or positive conversations, yeah. or being solution oriented. Yeah, so let's move away from that, you know, um, very con confronting sort of style and let's talk about how we can really find solutions and what what we've done I know you're going to ask me about behavior change later on is to help the restaurants understand actually there's something you can do even if you're a steakhouse right and you serve meat and um, there are things you can do and there's lots of really great like examples what? so for example you can uh, make sure that you only purchase high welfare meat so antibiotic free hormone free oh. like because Typically today in factory farming, if you're not buying organic or grass-fed or if you don't know the farmer, there's a very high chance you're buying meat from a factory farm. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure if you're aware, but there's well, lots of challenges around these farms, the way... Cruelty to animals and, yes, and antibiotics. Yeah, so, so we talk about, well, what can you do? And then at the same time, educate around how do you start engaging your customers on the topic, mm. you know, and things like put as much love into the non-animal protein dishes that you design on your menu so that, you know, customers can engage in that topic and not feel like they're missing out. The worst thing you can do is frame it as a missing out sort of 
topic. Right. So um, there's some really great work done by the World Resource Institute, and this Ooh. is through nudging, right? You, you, talk, you want to talk about behavior change. This, and, and it's been proven to work. So things like, um, so on the human health side, putting desserts out there, uh, keeping them um, at the end and with the lids on. So that in buffets, so that reduces people taking lots of desserts oh, that's for waste and for waistlines. Right, and then um, you know, in a buffet situation, putting the plant-based options at the front at the beginning of the line increases uptake because huh. people are hungry and they just need to eat. Exactly. Well, and you also you get to that very first thing and you think, oh, that looks really and good. And then your right? plate's full and there's no more space <laughs> for the meat. You can't put the meat on. <laughs> and then there's um, language. You know, describe your vegetables in a really attractive way oh, that's sizzling funny. crispy greens instead right. of boiled green beans <laughs> right and, and all of this works so they're just very subtle um you know it's not on the level of policy change but you know and we can't wait for policy change so it's these are the things that businesses can do right. so that's called the WRI playbook so that's something um oh, businesses can look into yeah right well we really appreciate you coming in is there is there anything that we missed in our discussion did you want to talk about food waste? Just to mention a little bit. Always want to talk about because food there's waste. a really a good piece of research as well that's just come out of the UK, and I think Hong Kong businesses would really um, be able to use it in uh -huh. terms of managing waste. Tell, tell, tell. So um, there's an organisation called RAP, W-R-A-P, and they've oh, just great name. Okay, <laughs> they do fantastic stuff on um, how do we help businesses to reduce food waste. And to be honest, a lot of the food waste is happening. Um, in residents, not really in restaurants, because restaurants have really have to be clued up because it's linked often to their KPIs to not, you know, have any waste in the restaurants. Real challenge um, is not in the back of house and the cooking. It's actually the customer waste, what we yeah. call plate waste. Interesting. So what they found is lots of tricks that you can do, including um, visualizing portion sizes or, for example, um, you know, addressing this challenge that of this perception that volume equals va uh, value mm. right um and garnishes right i was talking to a chef on tuesday she's like i'm not going to use garnishes anymore because nobody eats them well because you know, it's a garnish you kind of feel guilty if you eat it sometimes they require resources to grow don't right. they and so so the fancier restaurants like the mission stars a lot of them you'll see use you know the the right. garnishes and actually she said to me they don't get eaten, so I'm going to stop using them. Oh, so there's lots of little tactics like that. Yeah, that's really great. So Trash Talkers, Heidi Spiral from Future Green, and that was a super interesting discussion. We, I think we have to have you back because I feel like there's so much Love more to. to talk about. Love to. <laughs> Thanks so much. You can find all the Trash Talk episodes on iTunes and the RTHK On The Go app. Thanks to our partners, Plastic Free Seas. If you like what you hear, I also host the Sustainable Asia podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube for a more in-depth look at sustainability issues here in Asia. Many thanks once again to Marcy Trent Long for this week's Trash Talk. She'll be back with more chats.